0: Scare, oh, listen, that's scary.
1: I think we played this as an intro more times this outside of October than in October. <laughs> I know, dude.
2: I'll always realize I love this song in like May. <laughs> what a great song for May. <laughs> Timeless. <laughs> and of course, for the audio listeners, you gotta listen to the whole music video that yeah, you can't see. Just can't know, see <laughs> I can't see it either. <laughs> pretty sure this is a good video, I've never watched it, but I've heard it. Wow, this is quite the, uh... Yeah,
1: Did this there... is a long intro. <laughs> Was this?
2: <laughs> is this
1: Thriller intro looped for 900 hours, the uh, YouTube video? What
0: is...
3: Oh, perfect. The music video version is longer. That section
2: is longer than the music video. I don't I it's been so long I can't remember if there were ever vocals. It hasn't been. Was he singing it's at been
1: all? since May, <laughs> since May last listened. So it's been a while.
2: Did he already do the it's close to me? Did he do that? I don't think so.
1: Did you skip that
0: part?
2: No, I think I think Michael skipped that part. It says shortened version, but I didn't realize that just meant a four hour loop of the instrumental and one chorus. For the audio listeners, <laughs> Michael Jackson, who you thought wasn't dead, turned back around and his eyes turned green. And that's mm. when you realize... Just like what happened in real life. <laughs> it's the thriller, baby. <laughs> Live from the studio, my name is Jimmy Seleski. I'm Eric Glazer. And tonight we have a very spectacular show for you. Uh, we try to do like a whole series of spooky topics. And uh, so far, we have one for the month of October. Luckily, it's October... 26, so we still have time.
1: Yeah, we getting st- it right on buzzer beater guess.
0: <laughs> we were actually supposed
2: month. to do this about a couple weeks ago. Now, I uh, first of all, I'm going to introduce you. This is Spencer Horseman, Hello. the uh, owner of Illusions Downtown, here with uh, primary credential, co-owner, bartender, uh, and his girlfriend Nicole. How's it going, guys? Welcome, guys. Good. How are you? Thanks for having us. No, absolutely, man. We were supposed to set this up. Uh, I had this crazy idea after seeing your performance. Of course, my girlfriend set it up. She has great ideas. And uh, we went downtown, and I think I saw you a month ago, I want to say. Something like that. Yeah. It
3: was a, do you do you recognize me at all? Yes. Good with faces, terrible with names. So oh, okay, cool. That's the hardest part
2: of the show for me. Because I did try to look as different as possible for this. I had like way long. Also, so did you. When I saw you, you right. had like a whole. Right. Like,
3: and now it's all, it's shaved and dyed uh, blonde. And that's another, sweet. And another two weeks are going white gray. So. Oh, wow. Oh,
2: so, yeah, I must have seen you then. What would you say is
3: like the peak season. You said you're just now getting into peak season. Well, we've already been in our busy season. So our busy season really is from the fall to the end of the winter. So I'd say it starts in September and rolls heavily uh, consistently up through the end of February. So what that means, busy season, is... We traditionally sell out anyway, year round 95% of our shows. Damn. Uh, that's just as it is. The difference between busy and slow season is just how far in advance they sell out. So in the slow season, shows will sell out like that week you or the sweat day a little of. bit more. Yeah. Right. Uh, but. Busy season shows are selling two, three, four weeks out. So mm-hmm. that's – and then on top of that are all the private events too because of holiday parties, especially Halloween parties, and then getting into like Christmas, New Year's, and all that. We do a lot of private parties, company parties, outings, uh, birthdays.
2: Yeah, you, know. you mentioned that. And when I when I went there – because I, I I had never been inside before. Uh, believe it or not, I'd never been there before the first time I had been there. And uh, I saw – I I I had imagined that there was like a stage in the back, like a bigger stage, and then you have like the front room. But I, I've spoken to other people who have been in the back for shows. So is that kind of the difference too? Do you do bigger
0: yes. shows in the?
3: Yeah, so the first four years, because we've been operational for, it'll be 16 years uh, wow. coming up in March. Uh, the first four years that we were open, we used to do the shows down the front like you saw, uh, mm-hmm. with you know a few dozen people, uh, and that's it. We then expanded into the back space that we have. We have, we have multiple rooms that size but we expanded to about uh, 80 to 90 seat theater. And that had a larger elevated stage, three long rows of tables and chairs. And again, sat, sat eight or 90 people. COVID hit. With mm-hmm. all the restrictions, it wasn't all that really economically smart mm-hmm. to open up all of that space for just 10 people at a time, which yes. is basically all that I was allowed due to the six-foot rolling deal and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So I went, all right, hell, we'll bring the shows back downstairs again. Since then, restrictions have been lifted. I've been slowly you know, adding more people, and I just basically forgot how much I enjoy – the smaller shows and the smaller front room. Uh, I know normally people think, oh, bigger is better, big audiences and this and that. Yes and no. Yeah. Uh, if you're only just worried about money and packing people in, yeah, fine, big shows fine. But yeah. my style, as you saw with the performance, is highly interactive. Everybody out of that, th- you know, 36 people in the audience gets involved in the show during that hour and a half, hour 45 minutes. Every single person feels like a part of the act. Mm-hmm. And because of the way the room is uh, laid out with the bar, the show being in the center, and people sitting there, you know, people are no further than 10 or 20 feet away from the performance, especially Mm -hmm. when I come out into the audience and, you know, actually get involved. The larger theater and back, the space is flipped there's a stage at the far end which meant if you were sitting in the back row you were 50 feet away from the action yeah mm. and so there becomes that disconnect you know in the back theater it's a traditional theater meaning spotlights on the stage the rest of the room is in a blackout so you can't see the person behind you or next to you even it's dark and that's it so you just feel like this passive you know yeah. person watching a performance even though that was an interactive show. I can only get a dozen people involved, or maybe twenty Do people. Do you find
2: that it's actually, as a performer, more uh, difficult? Because I, I found this personally, as I mentioned before the podcast, I play music and I perform all around bars and you know right. Baltimore and everywhere. Do you? I've actually found oddly, and it's kind of counterintuitive, but I feel like to performance it makes sense. Uh, a more intimate room actually sometimes can be more difficult to perform to. Oh, it, it's more. It, it almost feels like there's more pressure when you're yes. in front of like a thousand people. It's like.
3: There's not as much of a direct connection to people. Correct. You just kind of feel like you're performing to an abyss. You know right. what I mean? You're perform- the difference that I say is that it's a difference between between performing at an audience versus with the audience and for the audience. Yeah, And that is very much difference, Especially, like you noticed too, during that performance, uh, the lights were up the entire time. Yeah. So I can look, I can see everybody in real time, whether or not they're enjoying themselves, and which can, for some people, can be terrifying. Mm. Part of the reason you perform on stage is because you kind of go, all right, can't see shit. Sorry, am I allowed to cuss on here? I am so I sorry. Yet, okay, sure. uh, I guess I should have asked that mm-hmm. before we started. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but uh, you, you, you know, you can't see anybody. All you can see are silhouettes of heads in the audience, and then all the only feedback that you have is applause or laughter, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But you don't have any visual feedback at all. Uh, so that can be scary, yes. Uh, well, where I, if you look at a I, crowd yeah. and you go, "Oh crap," they're all going, Grr.
0: "Yeah,
2: it's not a good thing." I did find the the lights being up kind of something I wasn't expecting because oh. one of the things you did touch upon uh, during your performance that I found found was interesting, and I never really thought about it. But so much of uh, from what the average person. Um, perceives when they think about magicians and I've always been interested in the idea of magic and particularly magicians just like the idea, it is such it seems like such an esoteric craft like everybody's familiar with magic tricks and stuff like that, but very rarely do you actually meet someone who does it professionally for a living. Right. I think, I'm 30 now, this is the first time I've ever
3: spoken to right. somebody personally. You don't who does get to meet it. many of us out in the wild. Yeah. You know, yeah, versus no, like sure. a
2: doctor or a
3: lawyer. Or yes. Like that. That's right.
2: And so you spoke about kind of the idea how like so many magicians kind of have that aura of uh, mystique around them, like this like this dramatic thing and the smoke and this whole showmanship. Right. of. And you kind of made a point to be like, from the jump, you were like, look, I'm not trying to act like You know, I am actually magic. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to amaze you with, like, reality, you know, which uh, killed me because I was like, damn, magic's not real.
3: Well, no, it takes the magic isn't inherently a performance that challenges the audience. It's something that ultimately, if you don't, depending on how you present it, will make the audience be on the defensive Mm -hmm. going, ooh, wait, something's happening. I don't know how it's happening, and so I need to think how to dissect it and how it's it's occurring, as opposed to just enjoying the ride, right? Mm -hmm. You watch a movie, you know it's fake, right? But Mm -hmm. you're not going there going, oh, they had this camera cut, they had this CGI, they had this edit. No, you just go, ah, and you just enjoy it, right? You know it's fantasy, and that's it. Magic's a little bit more frustrating because when you see it in person, you don't have any explanation so naturally that part of your brain goes I need to figure it out but that's not really how you should watch magic you watch magic to again have a sense of wonder and mystery Mm -hmm. right you can't know everything that exists in the world it's impossible I don't care how smart you are Mm -hmm. how many years you've spent in school how many degrees you have there's gonna be shit that you don't know and that's just a fact of life so I've just happened to study something that most people traditionally don't go to school for Uh, but I want people to just enjoy the ride. I don't want them to think that this is an ego-driven thing. Because unfortunately, there are some magicians that present magic as this, ooh, I'm smart, you're stupid, I know something that you don't. And it's like, no, that's not the point. Uh, yeah. I also know- think from a viewer perspective, and I, you know,
2: with movies and and the idea of just kind of just letting yourself absorb into the movie, they call that suspension of disbelief. Correct. And people feel comfortable with kind of just allowing a movie's narrative to just sweep them up into it, and you're willing to just accept certain things just because, like, I'm here for the ride. Right. I think there is, uh, you know, you talk about ego on the magician side, but I also think from the uh, magician side, the person getting magicked, I think that there is an element of, like, <laughs> you don't want to be tricked because it's, like, you want to think you're smarter than somebody right. who gets tricked. It's, like, <laughs> right. when somebody does something, because, like, so much of magic is obviously based on, like, a... Uh, you know, I say obviously like I know what the hell I'm talking about, but <laughs> clearly so much of magic is based off of, like misdirecting, kind of working on people's natural tendencies to, you know, like you do something over here and they're right. going to pay attention to that. And over here you're doing something else. Right. And so you as the viewer, if you're going into it with a defensive m- mindset, you want to be like, yeah, that might get most people, but not me. Right. And then when you get tricked, it's almost like this. I don't know. it, it You know, it, it, you do have to just settle in and just be like, look. He's gonna do some crazy shit right, right exactly.
3: here. Can I call on here? Yeah. He's gonna do some crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's funny because it is a misnomer when they say misdirection means uh, you're trying to misdirect the audience. Like you just said, look here, mm-hmm. while I'm doing something here. It's actually the opposite. Misdirection, you're actually directing their attention because I want you to look here instead mm-hmm. of looking here. So it's actually a little bit opposite there. But there are, again, there are folks that are, you can always pick them out in the audience, again, especially in the live setting, the mm-hmm. light setting that I have. The folks that can't let it go. They're the ones that I can always guarantee nine times out of ten, they are in the sciences, right? Mm -hmm. They are a physicist, they're an engineer, they're a doctor, because again, it's an ego thing. They go, I spent 12 years studying this subject and hundreds of hours of lectures and all these textbooks, and I go, congratulations. Mm -hmm. I said, let me reverse the question. I have been studying magic for now that I'm 36, for the better part of 32 years. Mm-hmm. I have hundreds of magic books. I have spent hundreds of hours studying other magicians and texts and things of that nature. And during my study, I have, for instance, never learned how to program a computer. Yeah. That's it. Just mm-hmm. because you spent a lot of time on something. So it's like... You know, just enjoy it, you know, uh, but there are people that genuinely come because they love to be fooled. They mm-hmm. love to have that sense of, oh, You know, don't, you know, they'll tell me after the show, like, I love it. Don't ever tell me how it's done. I'll be back again. And that's true. You, know, you don't want to know how it's done. You can't so, unknow right. a trick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, and that's the thing, too, is part of the science behind magic is a lot of what we do, it works on very simple uh, ideas uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and methods. Uh, As the saying goes, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So usually the first time we come up with a trick, it's usually the most difficult way to accomplish that trick. And then over time, we refine it and we remove all the clutter, remove all the excess crap, and it streamlines. Because at the end of the day, in order to make something entertaining, you can take the most expensive custom-made illusion, $10,000, $20,000 illusion, and make it look like a piece of garbage because your presentation Mm. is absolutely just crap. Uh, And again, presentation can be anything from speaking, even if you don't speak, and you're just doing it to music and choreography. All of that—it's theater, right? It incorporates all elements of theater, and that's all that magic is. You have scripting, you have movement, you have timing, you have comedy—if you choose to use it. You have suspense and drama—if mm-hmm. you decide to use those. Outlets. You can either
2: be the funny guy so, or like the douchey serious guy. So, well, you there's know, that too. Are, there's you need to be Penn and Teller or <laughs> Chris <laughs> Angel. Those are your two options. <laughs> like in a mascot there's,
3: costume. I oh, think. oh, there's. Oh
2: well, yeah, yeah. these are, of course, all things that they teach you in. I believe you actually caught not not being derogatory—the clown school. Is, was that what it's oh, called? Um, um,
3: Clown College. Clown College. Co- that's sorry. where, yeah, that's where my parents went. Actually. Okay, mm. so no longer a thing, but that was how the uh, Ringling Brothers Circus. So, used to Clown operate. State, Clown State University. So right, pretty much. <laughs> it was, uh, but very, very uh, exclusive thing to get. I into, bet. Right, no, it's actually. it's it was, it's
2: such a. Um, now, obviously, that's kind of what I was leading at because you had mentioned that. Um. You know, uh, having read your bio, obviously, you know, it took everything in my power to not jump on this question from the (laughs) the jump, (laughs) but your father is the original Ronald McDonald. Oh, he
3: was one of the originals. Uh, So the program when it originated was in Oakbrook, Chicago, Uh and from there, it broke off into different areas, uh, different districts, and my father covered the second largest district in the country. So Chicago was the first one, and then my father covered DC, Virginia, West Virginia, Mm. and so he was in that for the better part of, you know, he's 20, 22 years as Ronald. He covered over 500 stores, but he also did public appearances both at schools for like educational shows and also just sponsored events. McDonald's sponsored a lot of events uh, politically, or I mean, they were very neutral, but like they were all these yeah. sponsors being like, oh, for this or the Heart Association, which is kind of ironic, but besides the point. <laughs> uh, so there's different things that like he would then get sent out to the big, big highbrow PR events as well. Uh, so now, when yeah. you're
2: Ronald McDonald, um, when you're saying uh, you know covering an area, so he's right. just showing up. Is he doing magic?
3: Yes. Yeah. So yes and no. Uh, like, for instance, if he would show up at a, a press conference because McDonald's is sponsoring and he was just there and he'd you know, be on camera and be you know, interviewed and things of that nature. But yes traditionally, he did over 300 performances per year as Ronald. Uh, He would go and either do like grand openings for certain uh, restaurants. He would do school shows, you know. And so every, I think it was like three to five years, they created a different school show. Like for instance, one year was talking about recycling. So he would travel around to 500 different schools over the course of those couple years doing this recycling show. And then the next – New theme would be uh, – there was one uh, as a self-esteem show and okay. talking about self-esteem and bullying and things of that nature. Uh, so he would do that. So yeah, he was actively – like he did full hour shows. And this
2: would have been what in the 80s? Yes, 70s, he started
3: – so let's see. My parents were in the circus from the 77 to 81. He got picked up by a McDonald's in 82 or 83. Wow mm-hmm. And yeah that leads me To my next thing Was uh, your parents Obviously
2: they were They met in the circus Yes Which is uh, yes. What, what circus uh, Ringling Brothers Ringing The big one yep. The, so, the right, circus exactly, yep. maybe.
3: Dad joined in 77 <laughs> Mom joined in 79 uh, Dad always knew That he wanted to be a clown f- Since he was a young kid So he acquired The nickname Kenzo His name was Ken But you know like Bozo the clown They called mm-hmm. him oh, Kenzo. Kenzo Great name So yeah oh, exactly really So most people nowadays Still just always call them that Like the ones that you know Have known him for a long time uh, even after he passed away, was like, "Oh, you know Kenzo and all this." Was there magic in the family, or did he just no, randomly? That was his. Th- that was, was his that thing. Like he your was
1: rebellious phase, right? No, he grew like up like with he clowns, just, and you're like, "Well, I'm going into." He magic, knew he wanted to be
3: right. Yeah, right. <laughs> for me, I just hated putting makeup on my face. In all honesty, I there's maybe like three bits of proof that I ever put makeup on my face as a child. I was like, "Nope, that's too much work." Uh, I didn't like doing that. But wow, uh, you so know, they had their specialty, and then I just started picking up magic growing up in the magic store that they had. So. What? Was your
2: mother, what was your mother? Was she a clown as well? Yeah, so she basically, the
3: reason for her though becoming a clown, uh, she, so my dad's from Baltimore originally. Uh, My Mm. mom's from Pahuska, Oklahoma, this tiny little Indian reservation town of like 200 people, Mm. one traffic light sort of thing. She, her background was uh, uh, just being a gymnast. So she be quite physical. She's only four and nine. She's tiny. Wow. Very active gymnast. But she went, I want to get the hell out of here. So literally ran her way and joined the circus in 79. And so wow. they met. and That's
2: a movie-esque story. So, right, exactly. Very few people can say that.
3: Yep. <laughs> so that's exactly it. So that was their, and then when they left the circus, they were doing their clown, using their clown characters that they created for the circus, doing kids' parties. And then my father was picked up by McDonald's so he used to do 300 shows a year just as Ronald, not including another, like, probably 100-plus shows a year as Kenzo. Mm. So, yeah, he is busy.
2: So, and, and from my understanding, you the original... When Illusions was started, that was kind of a cooperation between you and your father? Correct. Because that location We're was
3: originally his magic shop. So he opened that up when, when I was uh, like a year old. So it was like 87. He opened that up. And that's where I started learning magic. And then over the years, uh, just- after So I you started learning magic. At four.
2: But, but yeah. like in terms of the business, I was mm-hmm. kind of under the impression that he was like, all right, you're taking the wheel, son. And I'm opening up illusions, and I'm going to run it, and you're going to do the performing.
0: Right.
3: Yeah, it was uh, basically... He handed we, you his red nose. Yeah, no, like or. we we went into it because we were going like you know it's why we have all the space. We're we're not lo- really Ill, that interested in the retail aspect of it anymore. Especially brick and mortar magic shops are difficult to keep going unless you're in like a super high traffic touristy area. But mm-hmm. the internet basically has put most brick and mortar shops, especially specialty shops, out of business. I had magic never even shops. Of a magic so magic shop. shops was one of them. There used yeah. to be a plethora of them across the country before you know really online sales became a thing. So uh, we went, okay, what the hell are we going to do? So I was touring overseas in Japan, came back home, and we decided, hey, we have all this property – Let's do something here. If you build it, they will come, as the saying goes, and that's true.
2: So you had that whole pr- – e- including where the s- big
3: stage is now, uh, that was all for the magic shop? Yeah, well, the front main front room was a magic shop. The back room was a party supply, a party area. Uh, that back when there was a magic shop, they used to have par- uh, kids' parties back there, like rides cool. and arcade games. And then there's another room that size upstairs, a third one, with another stage that then they would come upstairs, and my dad would then do a show for the kids, and there would be cake and ice cream and Holy popcorn God. and all that. So, like, we were kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese's before that was a thing. Wow. Yeah. So, that's where I got, like, a lot of my early stage time performing for people, especially, you know, because I started off performing for kids, being a kid, doing uh-huh. kid-style magic. But then as I got older, I started gravitating towards a sleight of handwork, and that's mainly where I put most of my energy and time. So, you start, a lot of magic,
2: definitely, I've noticed. So, you you've mentioned a couple things that I wasn't expecting. First... You buy a twenty thousand dollar illusion. No, I don't do illusions.
0: So mm-hmm. but uh, yes.
2: <laughs> Two, I got a trick delivered. <laughs> that stuck with me. I'd never thought of that idea before. But so I guess um, looking at it from a magician's standpoint, there are known tricks oh, yeah. that yeah, require yeah. varying levels of ability to perform. Correct. Kind of like we talked about Slash before the podcast, guns and roses, sweet shot of mine exists. Whether or not I can rip the solo right now <laughs> right. depends. Correct. Depends on whether I'm me right now. Right. But that's the point. So you you look at uh, – you have like – idea card tricks, obviously, you don't have to buy those card tricks. Right. But they're all – I think the thing that amazes me the most, um, I've been uh, recently facilitating like a gambling addiction lately. Not serious. Like I, I recently became addicted to gambling this week. I downloaded the app last week. I'm now an addict. Fair. You're uh,
1: facilitating look, <laughs> your own addiction. I'm
2: facilitating. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of encouraging it right now. <laughs> At least self awareness is the first. I've step, lost right? eighty bucks. That's I think true. I'm in the clear. That's all right. Um, but I. It's not because I love gambling. It's because I love probability and math. And I've been uh, driving myself crazy. Like Goodwill Hunting, right. writing on the board thing, looking at math probabilities and stuff like that, and just understanding one of the things that really blew my, You ever seen the movie Twenty One? Mm-hmm. I love that scene where uh, they're in the classroom and they're trying to figure out like who's smart enough to right. do this thing, and they do the classic Monty Hall conundrum. You know, I'm referring to the three doors with one of the goats oh, right. behind yes, yes, yes. it. And and when you first explain that to somebody, it, it's including me. It's mind-boggling. You know, it's like you don't understand why when you pick one door and then he reveals the other door as one of the wrong ones and says, would you like to switch or stay? If you switch, it's twice as likely that you get it. And just little intricacies like that about the way probability works, it does seem like magic. It doesn't make sense. And so – and I I would imagine all of card trickery is a a combination of probability and sleight of hand.
3: Yes and no. Uh, Okay. Because uh, we, if you're a live performer, if you are a live performer like I am and you make your living doing live performances, you want to make sure that your stuff works 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, there's types of magic. There's, te- I should just say, techniques that are hit or miss, that are knacky, uh, that you throw in, that if you don't base a trick completely around it. Because if it goes wrong, that's a completely failed trick. But you can use these other little techniques to emphasize other moments of magic that are guaranteed pieces. Mm-hmm. So they're almost like throwaways. So if you're able to hit something, great. If not, people f- completely forget about it because at the end of the day, you still accomplished the initial thing you set out to do. So there are things that we do play with that are like, <laughs> mm. you know, that are potentially risky that may not be a guarantee, but at the end of the day, we want to do things that are spot on guaranteed because yeah. otherwise, <laughs> we suck.
2: Now, that, that leads me to my... First, I want to say, uh, I don't think my sarcasm caught properly. I'm not a gambling addict. I <laughs> plan on becoming one, but I'm not. Plenty of casinos around now. So.
1: Yeah, I think they just like a okay online sports betting in Maryland. So. Yeah, so that's great.
2: I keep forgetting you that go. you guys don't know me. So when I jokingly say something, you guys are like, oh, my God. Well, it makes sense. He doesn't have a bathroom in well, his studio. You're you're probably addicted to something. It. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> it's Maryland. Not really to pres- if I was in like a big house, it would be funnier to joke about being fucked up, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Quite all right. No but judgment. It, it
2: makes me. It yeah. makes me wonder. You mentioned like you have like uh, basically you start out a trick and you have kind of like throwaway things you want to hit that aren't a guarantee. But most tricks you want to, you know, there's right. an end. Game. Ultimately,
3: you want things to work. I mean, obviously, that's the whole point. You have a yeah. setup and then you have the ending, and that's you want it to work. Uh, but now, when it comes to different types of magic, like you pointed out a moment ago, like oh, wait, you can buy tricks. You can do this and that. Mm-hmm. It depends on what you're doing. Uh, for instance, yes, I like to be able to have just a regular deck of cards or if I go to someone's house and they have a pack, and I can immediately start doing magic. Because it's just me, it's sleight of hand. So if I fail, that's just basically because I didn't keep practicing, and that's it. It's not the Mm. card's fault. Now, if the cards are crap and they're sticking together, yeah, that makes life difficult. But at the end of the day, that's on me. But magic can also be things that are physical apparatus that have been built, that have been customized, that do a spe- that serve a specific purpose, that have some sort of secret compartment or something like that. We you know whatever it may be. Mm. Uh, but and that's just you know <coughs> what it is, and you know that's usually things that are used for larger audiences, or uh, it's something that looks like an everyday object, but it has been gimmicked in such a way mm-hmm. that uh, allows to do magic. But at the end of the day, it still requires an entertainer, a performer to make it seem magical and then getting back to my original point is that you can mm-hmm. take in a really expensive amazing piece of magic and just completely just gut it because there's no presentation at all and you just do it and you go hmm, okay that was great but what the hell was the point yeah now i've seen people that have taken five dollar tricks and got, and made a career out of it and you go how the hell and you look at it and you go oh it's the presentation it's the performer uh, that was, here's a perfect example. Uh, uh, you have Copperfield that has all this. He has spent millions and millions of dollars creating all of his illusions, and they're amazing, and they're his, and they're custom, and they're perfect, and they're awesome, mm-hmm. hands down. But then you you watch um, <clears throat> David Blaine, his very first TV special. He got a ton of hate from the magic community because they went, what the hell? He's just doing These are all literally tricks. And I looked at it too and I went, wow, I have most of these tricks in the magic store right now that I'm selling for between five and 20 bucks. No joke. So magicians are going, well, that should have been me. I can do all those things. I learned those things when I was just a beginner. I'm like, no, jackass. Yeah. That is what he is doing with it. It is his persona. That is his style. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, the, the. He is making these things look like these, you know, miracles, these magical, mystical things. And so it all comes down to how you present it. So, you as a
2: magician, you obviously look at other magicians, you see it. Now, do you go in with, uh, are you trying to, like, you know, when I figure it out when I watch it? Like, when I watch a band, I'm like, how are
0: they doing, that? Right. How are they <laughs> playing here? Right. <laughs> uh, no, I,
2: first, I like
3: to watch, and no, I love watching The Magicians, uh, and I like to watch it first and foremost from the entertainment value, right, at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Because, If you study it long enough, you've been in it long enough, everything has been done before in some form or capacity. Obviously, technology updates and changes and techniques change and evolve. So there are occasionally these new brand new concepts that you go, what the fuck? And it's Mm -hmm. awesome. But in general, 90% of the stuff that any magician does nowadays has been done before. But what makes it unique is how they customize it to their own liking. The little tiny tweaks, right? Mm -hmm. Even a piece of music, people that do covers, right? Same idea. How does that performer make it theirs? There's little nuances. So mm-hmm. I like to go into mag- magic shows with looking for that. That's how yeah. I initially, because I assume, mm-hmm. okay, I may not be fooled. I may not say something new, but I want to see at least theatrically something different. But then if they're actually able to fool me, I love it. That's I wild. openly admit it. Because a lot of magicians, yeah. too, it's an ego thing. They hate being fooled. They will not admit it. I can mm-hmm. always tell when I have magicians in my audience, too, because their dates, again, great time, having a great time. But they can't bring themselves to enjoy it because either they're being fooled or they're having the David Blaine mentality of, like, well, I've done that trick. Why am I not getting this reaction from my performances? Uh, mm. So, but uh, what I love so for me, I love to be fooled because and that's cool. Because again, it makes me feel like, you know, one of y'all uh, so- for the first <laughs> time, which is really cool. Real magicians. <laughs> um. So, in your opinion, because I've
2: always wanted to know, I don't know how to gauge these people, but uh, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you five magicians I can think of all the time. This is bull. I'm biting off more than I can chew. I'm not sure if I can uh-huh. do this right now. Penn and Teller technically count as two, so yeah. okay. no, well, you, you know what? Sick. I'm gonna, gonna, gonna make them as one. <laughs> we're six, get, we're six. Six. <laughs> five and a half.: half, five and a half magicians all here. Right. David Blaine, mm-hmm. Henry Houdini.
3: Harry Houdini, Harry Houdini, oh, and enough. then his son, and his Henry, son, Houdini. son Henry Houdini, <laughs> Henry <laughs> McDonald.
2: Uh, uh, who I, David Copperfield? Did I say him yet? No, not no. yet. Uh, Pe- Pen and Pen, Pen and, and Teller. Is mm-hmm. that five? Did I did I magician
3: you? Did magician, I did I skip magician four? There's there maybe. So what did you say? Well, well, i Yeah, because <laughs> you got one more. So you said down David, David Blaine. Six. David <laughs> Blaine. David the back pocket. There's another magician. There's well, let's see. David Blaine. You said Harry Houdini. Uh, you said Henry Teller. I said Henry right. There uh David Copperfield. Uh you've got um I'm trying to think. Did I say of, David Blaine? Uh yes, you, that was your first. How about name, uh, so.
2: how about uh Chris Angel? Chris Angel. Yes. All right, that's 5. Mm. There you go.
3: There's 5 can for. Can you me.
2: rank those for me?
3: So, uh they're all different vastly different styles. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Yeah. So don't rank so, them. So, like no, but like I can give you know, give an example of Uh, Pen and Teller is very, you know, it's very intelligent magic. They're funny, but they're also very edgy. Uh, They Mm. literally like to make you think. They use magic to do a lot of like social commentary work, which is quite rare, Uh, which is really cool. But they're, again, very edgy. They love to be as their title is the bad boys of magic. Uh, So because they've also pissed off all the magicians by revealing magic tricks and stuff like that. And, you know, do you consider
2: like because that's kind of always kind of a weird uh, distinction. Like when I think of magic, I Mm. think of uh, clowns magicians, and then I think of, like, like um, David Blaine, he's not, like, I wouldn't consider him, a, he's like, do, actually, he's actually putting the thing through his arm,
3: we right? We were just having this conversation the other day, Blaine is a freak of nature. Uh, utmost respect to him because of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does great magic. He's well studied in sleight of hand and all these different forms of magic. Great, but then he also does these things that are legitimately real. Period. Yeah, like he swallowed that goldfish. Right. right? So, like like the other things that he's learning and presenting now, for instance, regurgitation, all right, mm -hmm. Uh, where he swallows a frog and regurgitates the thing like a half an hour later, fine, alive, right? Where he goes and he does uh, breath holding for like 13 minutes, where he goes and punctures himself. Those are skills that a single performer used to learn one of, okay, back in the day. Like a lot of the stuff stemmed from like vaudeville sideshow stuff, right? So, one entertainer. would make his entire career for thirty years regurgitating stuff.
1: Yeah, or that just was it. like the fire breathing. Why
3: now? Why did they only do one? Because it's harder than shit. Yeah, Blaine is an absolute beast in the fact that he's learning all of these skills and doing them repeatedly night after night. Like he just started a residency in Vegas, uh, I think a week ago, and he's going to be there for two years, doing like five or six shows a week, doing these extreme skills. The, besides the magic, yeah, great. Okay, so fine. what
2: do you call that then? It's, no, it's not, real. It's, it's they're, they're stunts. They they like, are
3: they are dem- they are little just fi- extreme physical demonstrations. Wow. Uh, yeah, the man is a just he's an absolute freak of nature, and hats off to him. And
2: Houdini. Mm-hmm was similar to that, right? He Didn't he do, like, escape artist stuff? Well, he, didn't, like he was that? known
3: for being an escape artist, right. Uh, he w- he started off as a magician originally, uh, but then he found that the escape artistry thing was a big niche. And mm. it's also, it's very, like, philosophical, too, that you're breaking the chains of oppression and you're free. You know, it, there's, so there's, lo- there's a lot behind that during that time as well. But in general, uh, it is historically... Uh, agreed upon that as a magician traditional just like get rid of the escapes doing magic terrible really yes and that came back to the presentation thing he had great illusions and you know he did all these different big things but his style his kind of like over-the-top bravado that he had for escapes does not translate well for magic Magic is a little bit more nuanced and uh, artistic, if you want to say it that way. He was very crass, very mm, uh, – which was perfect, which was perfect for escapes. But for doing something to music, an illusion on stage, silent, he just lacked the ability to move and look that way, He the projection. So that is very much a – you know, uh, uh, historically accurate uh, conclusion that everybody's like, eh, as a magician. Eh.
2: But you know, see, I didn't know that. Yeah. I preferred to think that he was just right. awesome, dude. All
3: right? So, uh, no, and in general, he was. I mean, if you go anywhere in the world now, you go anywhere in the world, doesn't matter where, and you say name a magician, the two names that will come up will be David Copperfield. No, no, no. Uh, David <laughs> Copperfield or Houdini. Yeah. And that's impressive for Houdini because, again, he was over 100 years ago before TV, before social media. Uh, David Copperfield's a living superstar, period. Um, you know, He's the sixth highest-paid entertainer in the world. Uh, he does over 500 shows a year. He has 21 Emmys. I mean the man has done literally everything, and now he just performs because – he likes to. He does not need
2: to. <laughs> now with uh we talked before about how there's like you, you're saying that there's nothing that hasn't been done necessarily. Right. Unless you're David Blaine, of course. Cause
3: uh well well maybe not. Has anybody done the hot air balloon thing? That was pretty Oh, no, that was pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. No, that was very much him. I know there's been like, there was that guy a handful of years ago who went up in a space capsule to like just the edge of. Yeah, like skydived. And he skydived, yeah. Like, like so. Red Bull or something. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. And
2: yeah. of course you have Chris Angel who just uh, edits things to make it look like he got <laughs> out of something.
3: So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to leave that conversation to that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. You're not allowed. To. I, as a non-magician, can I speak. toured with him for a year and I signed an NDA. Oh, so shoot. I can't mm. say
1: shit. I didn't know. You can't say yes. shit, but we can say. T- Chris Angel is just an early TikTok influencer.
2: Yes, that's kind of true. (laughs) Yes, we can say
3: that. We won't.
1: And we did, but it. we could. No, no, the man is a <laughs> hard work. I give
3: credit where credit d- is due. Again, he's a machine. Uh, again, his, oh, I'm sure. His yeah. work ethic. He sleeps like three hours a night, and he goes, 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 goes. His hand is in everything production wise. So, like, he has an eye for <clears> staging. <throat> he has an eye for lighting, choreography. Uh, he's even, you know, created his own music. Uh, you know, so he's mm, creatively, yeah, free. yeah. So it's crea- <laughs> That's as, actually him. <laughs> well, yeah. He also uh, before he was a magician, he wanted to be uh, uh, a musician. Mm. Uh, so that was his original love and then he got pulled more so into the magic World. change a couple letters and get so, back to it dude that, yeah. yeah Now so he
1: said so you've been on probably some like cool tours then
3: yeah, I, I toured around with him uh, for about a year. Uh, a lot of the way that I work is just uh, privately for corporations, company events where they will hire me to work, you know, a big yearly gala or fundraiser or something like that for them. They fly me out there that morning. I do a show for them that night, and then I fly it back the next morning. Uh, like that's a lot do of Do you like uh, do kind of like
2: stage performances? you do like the walking around? Both. Like while somebody's eating oysters? So if
3: I'm doing, yeah, exactly. So a lot of my bread and butter mainly is a mixture of the show that you saw. Uh at my bar but I will do that for larger audiences as long as they have like projection and Mm -hmm. you know screens and all that stuff but then before those usually there's always a cocktail hour so they hire me to mix and mingle with a couple hundred people doing sleight of hand for groups of four or five ten people that is cool Uh, which is nice because then I love it because my ability to travel I just can fit everything in a single backpack and I'm done Mm -hmm. I don't have to lug around all the illusions and all and when I did escapes and things like that for 20 years Yeah, I had to ship those out ahead of time, or if it was overseas, they would just build a prop for me over there, and then I'd fly over, do the escape, and then come back and leave it there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I hate schlepping that crap around. Uh, now when being on tour with like chris angel that's cool because i was part of a of an ensemble magic show so there was half a dozen of us specializing in different styles of magic so it was like close-up magician there's a stage magician there's a mentalist there was a magician that did uh, magic with dogs which was awesome uh and then what's there, a close-up magician oh, so sleight of hands close-up hand. yes i mean close-up sleight of hand right. and then uh me as an escape artist so i did a couple of segments. you of were that. the escape artist yes yeah, yeah so i did you know so each of us did like two segments in this show essentially well the first half of the show we did two segments, and in the second half of the show, we were presenting illusions from Chris Angel's show in Vegas on stage as again, like a collaboration thing. Mm-hmm. I did not uh, peg you for an escape artist, so yeah. Uh, I was getting mind freak
2: vibes from you, <laughs> fair. I thought this guy's definitely a mind freak.
3: So, yeah, I uh, I started studying uh, Houdini escape stuff when I was in my teens, and then I started performing escapes uh, when I was 21, and I did that solid up until uh, right before COVID. I tried getting back into it in COVID, during after COVID, and I developed some health issues that stemmed from all of that. And now that's all in hiatus. <laughs> you escaped for, the lockdown, so Congratulations, yeah, story. exactly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, that was my main thing for a while. So a lot of my TV work over the last ten years, I did America's Got Talent, I did America's Got Talent Champions. Uh, all it was based on escapes. So
2: and with that, is that kind of similar to the David Blaine style, where it's like right. you're it's really physical, doing right?
3: Like I'm legitimately holding my breath for three or four minutes at a time. I am, you know legitimately you know hanging upside down in a straight jacket you know there's no uh you know trick to it it's all just it's a physicality thing and because of that like yeah I've had a hell of a number of accidents blacking out on their water getting injured busting my head open all sorts of stuff holy Uh, cow this
2: this this leads me to a myriad of questions (laughs) um
3: first of which
2: uh you don't have to go too deep into this because I I really want to get to my next question which is more important to me. But uh, with the holding your breath for four minutes.
3: And I have asthma. So there's always that fun little do. Well, that leads needs. me to
2: my next, next question, which is still this question. <laughs> How do you, like, I'm a mat. Do you just hold your breath a bunch and, like, get yourself up to?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's specific techniques. So the two people that I would research and study, uh, their, you know, training styles are Navy SEALs and free divers. mm uh, so they're, you know, they use slightly similar, but also different uh, breathing techniques.
2: Now, yeah. I have been doing, so my family, your family, of course, from the Ringland Brothers, my family, also from Baltimore, not uh, involved in the circus, but we do have this fun tradition where whenever we drive through the tunnel, the Harbor Tunnel, we hold our breath through the tunnel. And I think it's a wonderful tradition. I'd like more people to do it. I'd like it to catch on. Because I think
3: mean, more people do that than you think. You mm-hmm. think so? Do you? I don't. Oh. I've you just so hold your breath tunnel. down so 95. She, yeah. She hates the tunnel, so she naturally just kind of like, I was holding her breath, I think, accidentally. Uh, now, I've uh,
2: timed it, and it, I, it's a minute and a half sometimes if it's traffic. Solid. So I can do a solid 90 seconds just off of family tradition. Right. You know How many times
1: have you blacked out doing
2: that? Uh, dude, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Definitely not behind the wheel of the car. I have <laughs> a tunnel. I've definitely, I've uh, definitely like had, you know when you stand up too fast and you get that kind of like, mm-hmm. yep, I've had that. But that usually happens when I inhale too fast. Because I watched one episode of Joe Rogan Experience when he had a well, not one episode, but I watched the one episode he had David Blaine on, mm-hmm. and he was talking about like the like like right, the kind of hyperventilating, like hyperoxidate, yeah, hyperoxidate right. your blood or whatever. And so now when I am approaching the tunnel, I, I start hyperventilating, and so I get like a nice. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> There you go. You're right on pack. And then I hit it. And then when I inhale too deep, and then I do the, uh, and then, so I got that one from a a magician, David Blaine. He taught me that. And then there was this other guy named Bernie, um, who was just like an old guy I knew. But he used to be a diver in the Navy. And he was like, you fill up your lungs,
3: and then you fill up your cheeks. You pack, they call it air packing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And then, so I'll get like two thirds of the way through the tunnel, and I'm like, I need my auxiliary air. So then I just, and then I'm there again, you know? So I've been getting there. I forgot where I was going with that, honestly. I just kind of <laughs> wanted to get, I'm trying. Did I sell that tradition? Yeah, Can more you people didn't do breathe that? that whole
1: time you were talking <laughs> about didn't. that. So I'm surprised you didn't pass <laughs> out again. <laughs> I could have blacked out right then and
2: there. Um, What I was actually saying is, I, I am a person of a high anxiety uh at times like for instance my internet wasn't working here and you guys came in there was no music i was freaking out now i tried not to show it but
3: you covered it well
2: i get worried when i watch performances because i'm aware that something could go wrong and that scares me and like it scares you like it's like it's like there's a certain element of me um this is why i think that the two drink thing that you guys do at the bar is perfect.
3: Because. But just to clarify for listeners, when you buy a ticket to the show, it also includes your first two drinks, and that's anything. Beer, wine, cocktails, high, top shelf, craft cocktails. Sazeracs. Party. Yeah. Get yourself we a give Sazer- We give
2: your money's worth. Sazerac is a very magical cocktail. I yes. associate it. New Orleans, kind of right. voodoo-y, whatever. Um, what the hell was I getting at there? Oh, yes. The, the drink
1: minimum. Tr- Anxiety. Yep. drink, not even minimum, it's. <laughs> It's um, the it's the amount. It's our get. gift it's to you, min and max. Yeah, it's uh fuck. What would that be?
0: Two
2: drink.
3: Uh, it's our it's our. <laughs> it's two drink policy policy. No, you no, have no. to drink two drinks. Oh no, that's the like thing. We get, therapy, of, yeah. we get a lot of we get a lot of non drinkers in there too. Oh, uh, you allow that? So or we also get. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> yeah. uh, it makes my job a little bit more difficult. But yeah, it's better. You know, it's okay if you don't drink. Uh, again, uh, we own a bar and we barely drink, so that's like a you know, uh, yeah. You, you
2: described that when I was doing my my uh, my my magic beer puns to you. earlier. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. We that. allow thirteen
0: year olds. <laughs> so. Yes, exactly. But we allow We're not thirteen year olds. Right
2: now, I was going to say it's perfect for a person like me because zero drinks. I'm nervous. I don't want right. you to fail. Right. I want you to succeed, dude. Right. I come in there. I'm like this guy. I respect his operation. It's awesome that this is happening. It's awesome that Baltimore has a place like this. You know that you can be like, dude, you want to go see a magic show in Baltimore? What are you talking about? Illusions, baby. Let's go. And then you go longest there and you running watch.
3: magic show in Maryland. So
2: I walk in, zero drinks, I'm nervous. Then one drink, I'm like, I think he's probably maybe he might, he's got it. Kinda. Two drinks. I'm like, dude, no problem. But if I got to three drinks, this is the thing with extended magic tricks. Towards the very end. Sometimes once you get, if you're, if you're working on because I did have a drink before I came there. So technically that was my third drink. So when you're at that level, a lot of times I'll like see the premise of the trick and you're like pick a card and then you put it in like a glass and do some shit. And I'm like, ooh uh oh, and then I'm like drinking my drink and you're like doing more stuff. And then at the end, you do something amazing. And it takes my mind 10 seconds to register how amazing and it catch was. Catch up. To it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, right. I'm like you'll, like, you'll do like this. And you're like, and it's like in perfect alphabetical order or something. I'm like, I'll look at it. I'm just like, and my mind is just gearing and it's going. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wow. The one that clicked immediately, though, and this, more people need to see this trick. They need to get it delivered. Get this trick delivered to your house immediately.
3: <laughs> I do house parties. Oh, just
1: show up on your ring camera and do it. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs>
3: Drive by magic. <laughs> yeah. When you walk in,
2: when I walked in, I'm imagining you guys probably very switch it up from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I walked in, I saw after witnessing at minimum 400 people do wheelies down Charles Street.
3: <laughs> oh, was it that night you were there? Okay. Yeah.
2: That was that I thought. See, I was I, I play a lot down there too. I'm playing at 101 tomorrow. Well, was it tomorrow. the bicycles? Are you going to be there the... tomorrow? By
0: the
3: way,
2: do what? Are you going to be there tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Friday. Friday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing across the street at 101. Oh, sweet. Yeah. What time? Uh, eight to twelve. The whole time during the game.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. Cool. Just throw away plug.
3: You yeah, my plugs that good.
2: later, but I'll plug it now. Yeah, you yeah. know. But it, yeah, it was that night. Um, and uh, so I saw this and when you walk in. There's just these cards bent on the table.
3: And I'm like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think this is part of the show. And so I'm watching. Now, did you touch them beforehand? Did you let the curiosity get better of you? Did you hold off? I didn't. It's always interesting to see who does or who doesn't.
2: Because I don't know what messes with magic. I don't know if that's part of the trick. You know what would really blow my ego is if at the end of the show, nothing happened with the cards and you were like, by the way, if you touch the cards, gotcha. And you're like, damn it. would be Got me. But then I'm worried. I'm like, what if he goes, if you didn't touch uh, the cards? Rule of gotcha. thumb
3: to assume is if a magician lets you handle something, there's nothing to find. Mm. Which, if you notice, that is all of my show. Everybody gets to handle the cards. They shuffle. They get to examine all the props, the staplers, everything, the books. Like, everybody handles all the props. That uh,
2: trick you did um, was truly... I, 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 I can't... There are certain tricks that, like, you know... It's like, ooh, you know, you do this, and then you do a couple shuffles, and you're like, that's ah, all math. But no math, I'm terrible at math. Sleight of hand, slight of so hand. But the when you're doing it yourself and you like tear it, I don't want to give away the whole trick, but not that I know how you do it, so it doesn't matter. But just the whole system of it, and when you get to the end, and it's just like your mind can't process how that works, you know. And even the guy next to me was like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> And it's just like that is the true like happiness of magic. That's what you bring, you know, to the table. It's That's like the goal, there least. is this sense of wonder that still exists. Like I I don't even know if I should tell a story on the cast. It's just strange. My father used to do his magic trick where he would like pretend that he ate a remote control and then crap it out. <laughs>
3: Nice. <laughs> nice. Which is dangerous. Up until, up until what age did that work? <laughs> until Jimmy started swallowing. Uh, right. 32. When I was 32. Monkey no. see, monkey do. So you got to be
2: careful. So I, as a kid, still a believer in magic, really did think that that was possible. Yeah, of course. And I did, unfortunately, looking back, try it a lot. I really tried. I to, thought there was like a way to try do to it. Deep to deep throat yeah. a remote. Yeah. I'm not even you're kidding. You're trying to be like a
1: sword swallower. <laughs> yeah, I'm
2: right. totally not even Again, hard as hell. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and it turned out my dad was really doing, was just like doing this and like going behind the right. body yeah. and then that. But when you're a kid, you're like, I don't. Remember right. my uncle hit me with the one where like he has a blanket and there's like two feet and the a leg, chair and right. he does the thing. Or he even did one with the thumb where it was like, Man, I spent so much time trying to learn those. Yes! Uh, um, Can you do that? Doing the camera? Uh, That's uh, awesome. uh, That's freaking awesome. (laughs)
3: Oh,
2: fuck. Can you do the remote (laughs) track? Can you show me how my dad did it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, I told little That you guys would be a first. That. No, it's great. Yeah, I appreciate that thoroughly.
3: <laughs> no, because at that point, you know, we all as human beings, again, we like to, even though we like to admit it sometimes, like we love to have that sense of, holy crap, how'd that work? And magic you know, isn't just something in the U.S. Like magic has a rich history that's gone back hundreds of years across a majority Mm -hmm. of cultures around the world. So that's a cool thing, too. It's like it's allowed me to perform not just here nationally across the U.S., but also internationally as well. So Mm -hmm. even if there's a language barrier, magic, first and foremost, it's a visual medium, just like a movie, right? So you can watch and understand what's happening most of the time. Now, I just happen to be a magician that likes to talk a lot because of my style. I'm (laughs) I'm a comedy magician. So the humor... It's easier when you say jokes or say funny things uh, versus also doing funny things physically. Uh, But uh, even in general, you know, that still translates internationally with the language barrier. Speaking
2: of the performance thing, uh, you said you didn't want to talk too much on the show, but um, you uh, you are a participant. Well, I guess not a participant. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. Where uh, it was cool just to watch that whole thing and like uh, I guess that takes a lot of practice. It was nice. It was nice. I just realized halfway into that that I was like saying something i probably shouldn't say but like whatever you oh, know no, perfectly fine. that's the thing with magic is like when i interview like comedians and like musicians it's like when i bring up a song i'm not like oh i can't i shouldn't say this yeah. song. <laughs> somebody like tells a joke you're like well i mean i don't you know with a magic trick it's like should i even should we even talk about the fact that you're a magician <laughs> right now illegal? would that ruin <laughs> <Not at laughs> what's <all>. gonna <laughs> not, at all, not at all no i want to ask you um I'm sorry, I, I, I set it up like I was going to ask you a question, and then I, I was just like, never mind, I can't do this. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to He's not to trying do it. to
1: pen, pen and teller you.
2: you know? I don't want to ruin anybody who's listening this is, you know, childhood thing, you know? You right. um,
1: already ruined the remote trick for so many of our audience. I know.
2: <laughs> our four-year-old demographic is shot. <laughs> yeah. They've shit um, their pants. <laughs> now, originally, I wanted to ask you, obviously, I am a hack. I was going to ask you hack podcast questions. No, I'm not going to, to do that now. Oh, okay. That's... Um, hack questions that I would have asked you were if I was a hack, I would have said,
3: Can you so read your own handwriting? Where,
2: <laughs> where, where are you from? Now Baltimore, I know. Maryland. Yes, Baltimore, Maryland.
3: South Baltimore. Well, everybody calls it Federal Hill now to make it sound all swanky. But yes, mm-hmm. South Baltimore. Yes, Federal Hill.
2: They have a hill. They ran with it. Um that they do. Now. Uh, second hack question was, what was your biggest flub? Now, I don't want to know that. What I want to know is,
3: oh, fine.
2: how do you deal with the possibility that someone could lie
3: when you say, is that your card? Oh, and it yeah. was their card. Oh, yeah. And they lie. What do you do? Well, there's two incidents. We just had that. Yeah. Uh, we just mm. had that happen Friday night with that dude. Uh, It happens in two, uh, two ways, right? People legitimately forget. They don't mean any harm, uh, but they forget because, one, they're nervous, put on the spot, right? Interactive show. They're not used to that. I get it. And mm-hmm. they've been drinking, so double duty there. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you have the people who are like, nah, I'm going to fuck with them. And they do. And that's fine. Uh, I don't encourage it because it does mess with the flow. You know, my show has a structure to it, but as you saw my show, it's highly improvised. Uh, mm-hmm. I play off of the audience heavily. Because people are getting involved, right? So people are nervous. Even if I ask them their name sometimes or where are they from, people go, "Hmm," and I'll make jokes about that or whatever. Or if they have an interesting job that they do, I'll roll with that. So I'd like to keep, the show becomes as organic as possible. But that being said, I'm also used to to performing in a setting where alcohol is there. And so thus under that influence, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. So magic typically is a very strict art form, meaning it has to follow a specific step sequence to accomplish the magic trick. If you deviate from that path, the trick fails, right? Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. For instance, you play the wrong notes in the song, it's not the right fucking song. It's yeah. not right, doesn't sound right. Because of my setting, I have built a lot of my routines to have fallback A, B, and C paths depending on what happens. Mm. So for me... When people do that, it keeps me on my toes. And yes, sometimes if they don't want to own up to it or if I recover and they still insist on screwing with you, then I'm like, all right, you're just trying to be a dick and I'm going to keep going and that's fine. So do you just play but, it off, I guess? Like, yes. Or so do I, you ever call him? Like, oh, well, I will. Yeah, because no. yeah, you can te- – again, that comes from a lot of the psychological stuff I do on my show too is reading people and oh. those people you can tell. So like we actually had a gentleman there Friday night who – I already had found, so I can reveal part of this for the show, but like one of my favorite things that I do, and it doesn't matter if it's for this show or if it's for a close up show, uh, I love getting as many people involved with a single trick as possible. So I take a classic of magic, right? A pick a card trick, right? Mm-hmm. Which you assume every magician knows, but I will do it with 12 to 15 people, 15 different cards, and find them in 15 different ways, ever escalating yes. Yes. means, right? And it's great. It's awesome. I'm very proud of it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, So that being said, I had already found seven cards. Found the entire back row with no problem. Audiences along with me the whole time. This one guy, he's by himself, and he's already a weird dude. So we're already going to get rid of and ignore that. Dude has been... Like, agitated his table. He's been like, it's just already a weird energy. Mm-hmm. And the people sitting around him were already like, <laughs> like, it was strange. But, you know, whatever. He's there by himself. We get a lot of people by themselves because they're visiting from out of town, tourists yeah. there for conventions. And they're like, we don't know what the hell to do. And they just find out and they come into a show. Whatever. That's cool. But I get to him and he says his card. I've already now found the card and I'm waiting for the dramatic moment to reveal it. And I have it in my hand. So I've just done something flashy. I go, huh? I go, sir, what was your card? And he says like the complete opposite of a card. And, you know, mm-hmm. there he had like he uh, he had like the jack of spades and he said the eight of diamonds. And I was like, hmm, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went, sir, try again. He goes, eh, yeah, it's what I told you. And I was like, okay. The audience was already on my side at that point.
0: Mm.
3: A few of them already went, We believe the magician. What are you holding? And I was like, I did that. And I was like, this was his card. And I still got an applause for it. Mm -hmm. Even though this guy completely tried to derail it on purpose. How long ago is this? Friday. Friday? Yeah. So that's why it's so fresh in my head because it happens time to time, but like that was a very specific I thing I was like, hmm. and then he just like literally turned his back to me on the stool and was like facing out the window the rest of the show. So I'm like, all right, you've got your own thing going. We're gonna weird. leave you there. But that's a case of like thankfully, I'd already shown my credibility up into that point. so people yeah. already knew like, no, we're gonna bet that the guy who does this for a living has worked out 15 cards versus the weird drunk dude for getting one. Yeah, but the way he said it, he was so determined. It was so different that like everybody was like, no, he's obviously he's too lying. He's two opposite. Yeah. Uh, but on the same thing on top of that, if mm-hmm. people then do forget the card and they just are like, ah, they pull out a random card, uh, I will then find that card. I will change direction and I will find that one too. And it, if anything, it makes it an even stronger trick because then people go, holy shit. Ah, uh, that wasn't the card. And I just proud. pulled one out of my ass just to save mm-hmm. face and you still felt, oh my God. So, and again, that's a cool organic nature, at least of my show, is that mm-hmm. I like the fact that I am able to adapt in the moment to these things. Now, anytime you do anything often enough, it's bound to go wrong, either on my end or the audience's end. Uh, if something goes wrong, it is typically on my end, but because of my style, it's very comical and self-deprecating. If I make a mistake in the moment, and then I still accomplish what I say I'm going to accomplish. Mm-hmm. It seems like part of the show. Yeah. Then people go, "Oh, he was just messing with us. Oh, that was cute." But where in my brain I'm going,
0: ah! my neighbor, being, yeah, yeah. you know,
2: my old neighbor yeah. Mr. Barron used to have a saying. Actually, I don't know if it was considered a saying. He just used to say it a lot. Sure. And he would say act like you know. Act like you know.
3: Fake it till you make it, same idea.
2: And I always thought my you know my father telling me like you know about like you know performing with music it was like look like especially when you're a kid and you're doing talent shows and you see a lot of kids that like they get like visibly flustered if something doesn't go the way they expect if if they're doing like a song on cd at like a middle school talent show right. and the record skips and there's go, oh god right. yeah. and then immediately the whole audience is now like uncomfortable right. and like Oh, I hope this doesn't wind up being some a traumatizing moment for this young middle school kid, you know. But it's like he would always talk about just the idea of just like if you as long as you act like whatever happens is something you expected, everybody's cool. It's kind of like an airline pilot. I would imagine that there's probably at least been one time when I've been on a plane where there at least was like a 1% doubt in my pilot's mind that everything was. Just fine and to be expected. I'd I, I'd like to think that like maybe at least once there was like a poof, 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 and the power was like. Jeez. All right, everybody. we're expecting that turbulence and blah blah blah. Everybody, immediately you're just like, well, he knows it's right, fine. I guess right. sometimes your plane goes upside down. you know yes. it's just part right. of the part of getting to LA I guess
3: They don't, they don't go <laughs> She hates to fly. <laughs> but this no, no.
2: whole this whole thing uh, about like with with uh, improvising and dealing with people lying to you right. leads me to my next question, which is also my last question from before this other question okay. that I pretended I wasn't going to ask That's you. okay. Um, which is, what is your biggest flub? Like, you have a defining thing that was uh, like... You did mention that... Uh, yeah, I don't I've, know if that you know, was a joke. You got a stapler, a staple in they, your head or something? Or? So,
3: I've, I have fallen on my head and cracked my skull open. Um, I have, and I've done it, like, a couple times. Like, I've fallen on my head twice, but I was able to bend my head in such a way so I landed, like, up my upper shoulders. But it still hurt and, like, sends a shock to your body and you go, <laughs> am I paralyzed? <laughs> I've had that a couple times. But one of the times Jeez. that I did it, I was hanging upside down, the apparatus I was hanging from on stage broke, and then I hit, and I went, Oh, I'm okay. And then as soon as I had that thought, the apparatus that I was hanging from also fell because that had to fall too. And that cracked me in the skull from about 10 feet, busting my head open. Uh, blood just Oof. everywhere because head wounds do that. And but then, speaking of which, I passed it off because I had I took. <laughs> I had a bartender. Mine. Well, no, right. Uh, a bartender of mine uh, brought over some paper towels. I held it to my head. There's still like there was an ending joke that I used to do with a piece of music. I still did the joke. You just pull a car out It's this your right. car? I literally I you did like, that and I walked moon. off stage and everybody was like, "Is that part of the f- what?" <laughs> they had no idea. And the funny thing is, is that I had his oh table when this happened. Uh, I had just got out of a straight jacket, so that's what I was doing when I fell from the ceiling, I should explain, uh, mm. but that makes a bit more sense. I would walk, there was a table in the front that had uh, like a dozen nurses from Hopkins there, right, on like a company outing thing, and so when I was walking off stage with my bloody ass face, I leaned down to him and I went, hey, uh, y'all not going to help me? And they went, oh, we thought that was part of the show, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> cool, great. Yeah, so it's, you know, it, it happens. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like that is a flub, but, like, you made it convincing enough that, like, right. trained medical professionals right. are like, Thought oh, that's fake yeah, blood. It's, <laughs>
2: yeah. it's not a real brain hemorrhage. Right. I know brain hemorrhages. Yeah. yeah.
3: Only oh, the Jesus employees are freaking Christ. out for no reason, but okay,
2: that's fine.
1: Oh, my God.
2: Well, uh, I want to go into a little lightning round for you. oh Two movies. The Illusionist. Mm -hmm. No, wait. What's the movie? The Prestige? Prestige Prestige and the Illusionist. It's the slowest lightning round you've ever seen. It's okay. Uh, Prestige
3: or the Illusionist? Yes. Yeah, I love them both. They're both kind of similar concepts, right? Right, because (laughs) they're both presenting magic during that time period, uh, early 1900s, and they both do a great uh, uh, portrayal of magic during that time. And so there's a lot of little... As a movie in general, they're both great, period. Great actors, great story, staging, design, great movies. As a magician watching it, there's a lot of little nuggets and mm-hmm. Easter eggs that were like, "Ooh, they did their research, awesome!" So love both those movies. Now,
2: uh, I will say the one disappointing thing about the Prestige, and I believe that's the one where it was like involving like Nikola Tesla or whatever. Yes, I didn't like that at the end. It wound up being actually real, like he was actually dematerializing and like
3: oh, right, and duplicating himself. Yeah, I
2: didn't no, like it that. It
1: wasn't just brothers, and both of them.
2: Uh, no, no. it wasn't. Oh. everybody the whole movie was trying to figure out how he was doing it and at the end it was like it's legitimate magic yeah it's real well, magic science.
3: technically science because you had Nikola science. Tesla who designed it but it was yes. David Bowie playing Tesla and you can't go wrong with that that's it, true so. that's true and this concludes lightning round that was it right, that, that was it. Just one it one was question
2: quick, <laughs> just one question in movies okay <laughs> Oh, man, I appreciate you guys coming up here, dude. This no, is so, so cool. I, I didn't want to,
3: you know. Actually, I think this is legitimately my first podcast. I've done a lot of radio, but this is actually my first mm. podcast.
2: I was going to ask you that.
3: You can um. throw
1: a couple more cusses out if you want. Yeah, uh, dude. Yeah, I know you you you're probably penting them
3: up from all your radio interviews. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, no, right. I had to be Conflorn it. <laughs> <clears 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 right. I had to be nice on there. Yeah, hey, I did. I was out. on 98 Rock uh, like three weeks ago, two weeks ago, something. <clears throat> So, oh, really? With whom? Yeah. With whom? Oh, uh, I did the morning show. Okay. So, Jason Scott Spiegel. I've been going on 98 Rock since I was eight. So, I've wow. been there through like the, you know. The
0: Which whole... one of
2: those was the guy that somebody saw on a date with my ex girlfriend? Which one of those guys was the guy? Oh, Justin? I think Scott, right? Scott. Yeah. Scott. This is years after he broke up. The producer. I just, right? that's my connection to 98 Rock. Nice. we will come on <laughs> there and just He's a good guy. do a quick little interview.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: how do you feel about our ex girlfriend? Yeah, something awesome. like that. Something cool. Something chill. Something chill. um But again, I appreciate it. I know you know you guys coming up from this long way, bringing out okay. the van, and it's weird. You know when I saw the van pass by the first time, you're like, "Is that a magic van?" I thought no, a- immediately. I was like, "That was
3: them. That it's had to a- be <laughs> That is a dog hauling <laughs> van. That is hers."
2: I figured you would either, as a magician, you either have to travel around. In a comically in a, in a in a comically small car, right. obviously. Well, that Absolutely. was the first car he got from his parents. He yeah, exactly. Right, the clown exactly. car. Your clown car. <laughs> you pull up in like a Hot Wheels, and like, oh, I shit. just sold that. It was my little my little <laughs> Tyke's uh, car. Yeah. Or you drive up in like an elephant sized van. Yeah, <laughs> those are your two options. So I thought that was awesome. I thought that was cool. And I'm glad for <laughs> you guys.
3: You know, sticking it out. Not. We being, have a lot of dogs. So yes. oh, okay. Uh, well, okay. she was a. Uh, Nationally, uh, like, award-winning, a dog agility person with uh, both Dobermans and... uh, Dog agility? Yes.
1: Oh, wow. Like, for, like, the Westminster Cup or whatever it's called? Well, it's it's like an
3: obstacle course Mm. for dogs. You know, they go they do the jumps and the weave poles and tunnels and things of that nature.
2: I was chased down an alley by a Doberman when I was eight.
3: I get a lot did of like things. Did you live in Talisman?
2: <laughs> he was agile. <laughs> they are. Was really, I don't even think he was trained. They're he wasn't even powerful. a trained professional. They're very powerful dogs. Yeah, I just barely escaped. I did a classic seven-year-old trick: climb the tree. Oh, yeah. You know, there's Dobermans on
0: the side of that badass van. There's, oh, there's sweet. little oh.
2: flying Dobermans on the side. That's unreal. Is there anything you know when I when I ran into you? I'll just say this last thing. Um, when I saw you performing. I immediately said to my girlfriend, "This is another reason why the two drink policy—you heard it, folks. Two drink drink gift,
1: gift. drink two drinks,
3: two drinks heavily mandatory
1: encouragement.
3: We do give, we do give your money's worth. They are strong. (laughs) They are good drinks." And
2: I said after the show, after my mind was outside of my own head, and I've stuffed it back in there, and I said to my girlfriend, (laughs) "Do you think I should ask him to come on the podcast?" (laughs) And she was like. Or And I was like, or should I just like DM him on Instagram? And she was like, you should probably just go ask him. And I was like, nah, because that's going to be like, I want I figured it was like, what is weird? It's like, is it weirder if like a random guy who was like number two in the stapler trick comes up to you and goes, dude, I promise you, I'm not strange. And I would like you <laughs> to come on our podcast, or fine. should we hit them up from the page where you can see we've had other people on and stuff like that, where it seems more natural, and I can, you know. Me either or. So I went with that one, um, but you guys do
3: stay open mm, as, as a bar, a bar until what time? Whenever the last person leaves. So no, right. plenty of people do that. Like they come over because again, the bar is how I also network for my other private parties. So people come over and go, "Hey, I want to bring you." Uh, to my uh, to my company, or can I want to have a company party here? I loved your show. Uh, I love the humor. I love the magic. Uh, can I bring people in? Sure. And I go here's my information. Email me, and we start the ball rolling from there. Uh, now,
2: is it open after after the show has concluded? Is it open to the public? Yeah. yeah really? Yeah, okay. Cool. Because I was going to ask what time I mean, is people the show can come in over tomorrow.
3: So the show ends at ten. Uh, give two, between through. ten ten fifteen, and then we're usually there. <laughs> Tomorrow's Thursday. Sorry, not Thursday.
0: Oh, Tomorrow- damn. I thought was well, Friday. I have my
3: calendar covered up. Holy shit! Tomorrow's Thursday. Yeah, we're going down the bar just to clean. Oh, so and I'll come through and say what's up. I'll bring some Ajax. So <laughs> you, uh- <laughs> but you're not getting until later. We're going down in the morning. Mm, gotcha. So- yeah, Not we sure. go we go down, we get our liquor deliveries, and we set up. And, I'll leave a sticky uh, note on the door. Okay, down. yeah, that'll work. That's fine. That. You can just throw, like, the clean gates clean will be closed. <laughs> you can close. The gates will be closed, but there's a big walkway, so you can just, like, throw a note up inside yeah. of there. I'll be so.
2: one of the wheelie guys driving. Yeah, five. yeah there you go. No! Yeah, perfect.
3: <laughs> but I have to give a plug to everybody. I know you'll put that in here eventually, but for everybody listening, it's illusionsmagicbar.com. Absolutely. So you can see our information, our schedule. We always have tickets open like six weeks out because, again, we traditionally sell out you know a couple weeks in advance since we only do two to three shows a week. Uh, and that's where you buy tickets. So you can go th- find us through Eventbrite. Um, you can but our, our main landing page on our website, our Instagram, as magic. Magic. it was. is
2: worth every penny. We here at Live from the Studio have endorsed very few things in our time. We've including- endorsed ball
1: hair trimmers. <laughs> We've endorsed a coffee company. I mean, that's... it now...
2: We endorsed Evan Williams' bourbon. Fair.
1: Well, and Miller High Life. And Miller High Life. Those are personal endorsements, not podcasts. We've endorsed Camel
2: Crushes. And not Parliaments. I've endorsed not smoking Parliaments live on air. That's why this pack is empty. <laughs> but of all of our endorsements, to be perfectly honest, it is worth every penny. It's a great show. It truly is. Illusions, magic. Yes. Dot com.
3: No, Illusion's Magic Bar. Illusion's Magic Bar. Yes. Dot com. And where should we follow you on social media? Do you want people to follow you on social media? Yeah, uh, Instagram's our most active one. Uh, our Facebook page was uh, hijacked during COVID, so I'm still trying to get that back, so that's fun. Wow. Uh, we just started a TikTok page a few months ago, and that's uh, fucking weird, because we're old for that, and I don't <laughs> get it. So basically, like if we post a video on Instagram Reels, it goes to TikTok or vice versa. Uh, you mm-hmm. see you'll see them. So Instagram is our most active uh, place. Otherwise, if you don't use social media, go to our website, sign up for a mailing list, and you can well, what always... is the Instagram? Is it your page? Uh, yep, yeah, just Illusions or? No, or? Magic Bar. Illusions Magic. Oh, I went and followed you personally. Right. Yeah, so either one works. But yeah, I put the the bar is more active.
2: I don't You can uh, follow the bar account if you want to know about magic. You can follow your account if you want to yeah. know about like what
0: you're doing so for the So Christmas.
3: even yeah, we, we, we do we, we don't run a normal Instagram page. It's very much kind of like, Hey, here's the crazy people that run this place and what we do on all the other five days that we're not open. That's uh, awesome. So yeah, there's a bit of a uh, bit of chaos in there. I'm going to go ahead and follow that as well.
2: Um, Anything else you want to plug as far as, like, any significant things coming up? Uh, Christmas
3: shows? We're already, let's see, we're already sold out for this weekend. We do have seats available for the afternoon show this Saturday. Uh, Again, we run year-round Fridays and Saturdays. If you're looking for a private event for a company, up to, like, three dozen people, let us know. We're already booking up a lot of dates already in November, uh, starting to in December. Uh, but yeah, it's a different, again, it's a different night out. We're great for first dates. We were voted best first date bar when we opened, and that's kind of stuck. Uh, We do not serve any food. We are just bar and theater, so eat beforehand, or if you Mm -hmm. want to BYOF it, that's fine. We don't mind. You know, uh, I would
2: say, I don't know if this is a, a category in the voting, but I would say that Illusion's Magic Bar is the best second date spot in the city. I've always had this thought, and we've talked about this before, about the idea of like, I always thought going to the movies was a terrible first date, unless you're 14. Because going to the movies is like you're sitting next to somebody for like an extended period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're not supposed to, in fact, it's very frowned upon if you talk. To talk. Right. And yeah. then so it's like we're on this date. It's a date for people who
1: are like still afraid to talk to each exactly. other. Exactly. Right. Even and though then, they're dating already. At
2: <laughs> some point completely unjustifiably you're just supposed to just hit the arm around right it's
3: like i've done nothing to earn this
2: right done nothing to deserve this i've just sat
3: next to you long enough right i bought you popcorn and a ticket that it's
2: weird (laughs) if i do and slightly more weird if i don't right those are my two options i've always said you gotta have first date bar where there's other people around to take care of lulls in conversation, right? And a good bartender knows when there's a lull in conversation. She you can, all, you up, can, hey, can always, up, guys? You can always pick out the first dates in the audience. Exactly. Second date after you've proven that you are not crazy, semi-enjoyable to be around. That takes more than one encounter. And pretty <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll find you. On, I'll take you on that. But after you have passed the first date test, is there any better second date? Than illusions magic bar because that, that now solidifies that it's like dude not only am I not insane <laughs> but also
1: yeah. well and also you run through all of your topics of conversation in the first date and you run out so by the second date well on a second date you can go see a nice show and then just both be like how the fuck did they do right that well so the, then you can long. flip
3: that you can flip that on its head you get yeah, the people yeah. who do not know what to talk about mm. so if their first date if they are both introverts and they don't know and they'll just because again imagine that. They're both shy. You put them in front of each other at the table for dinner. They're doing this. They have nothing to talk about. So part of the reason with the first date thing with us is we give you something to talk about. Gotcha. When everything, even when you first moment you come in, there's all this weird stuff. It's and
2: conversation both, fuel. Right. It's conversation fire. Correct. Okay. If, yeah. All right. Then fine. Fine. But I take both. I, first first date, date. First and second date. First date, <laughs> Ideally in combination. Third date. Both. That's the movie theater. Third date is, <laughs> is 101 in Fed Hill when I'm playing tomorrow night. Um, One more question and we're out. Yeah. Lightning round. Oh, a second one.
3: More than one question?
2: <clears throat> this thunder round. <laughs> <laughs> yes or no or pass? Oh, okay. Because this is a magic question. <laughs> okay. That thing you did when you were trying to figure, like you were like reading the guy's body language uh-huh. to get like an answer out of him. Uh-huh. Was it magic, yes or no?
3: I mean, magic is the concept that we're trying to portray and give. Like, that is that is not the technique. Let me refer Magic is, is the emotion. actual
2: body language reading, or is there a trick?
3: It's a mixture of all things. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, everything is, when it's a live show, at least my style show, it is a mixture of both tricks and techniques, both physical techniques and psychological.
2: Gotcha.
0: Okay. So
2: we use a lot of a different,
3: uh, yeah. yeah, there's more than just one element at play with anything that I do. What we'll would just call that as a yes
2: or a... I would just
1: say that magic is the moment when all those things come together mm-hmm. and it's right. And mm-hmm. it's magic for you and the audience because you're like, damn, I was right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> right? We are just trying to create the, there's a classic quote. Uh, by the na- <clears throat> by a magician by the name of Robert Houdin, which is who, or who uh, Harry Houdini took his name from and had the I at the end, Houdini. Uh, he said, magicians are simply actors playing the part of a magician. Because again, people know it's fake. It's all in a loop, you know, but our being actors, we are playing that of a magician. Whereas like an actor would play the part of, you know, um, a mob boss or a serial killer or, you know, a superhero, right? That's all. Mm-hmm. That's the idea, so...
2: That concludes lightning round number two. <laughs> that was a quick lightning round. All <laughs> right, <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, a couple plugs for you, Eric. What you got coming up, buddy?
1: Um, I got my final ghost tour Uh-oh. on Friday. <laughs> uh, so if you if you like fucking spooky shit, I think it's not sold out yet, but it's gonna sell out. So uh, if you're near Sykesville, Maryland, mm-hmm. and you wanna learn some ghouly ghost stories Ghoulish. about the town, come on out Friday.
2: Nice. At Sykesville, uh, where does it start? At the uh, it starts at uh, Sykesville
1: Distilling, yeah, the, uh, the brewery right there. Boom. Or I guess distilling company.
2: Um, folks, uh, among other things, uh, first and foremost, follow the band at Sophomore MD. We have a single coming out. If you're listening to this right now, which you are, by definition, uh, the song comes out tonight, or did come out. On Thursday, October 27th, it's called In Motion. I actually bought one of those Newton's Cradle things, the thing that goes nice. back and forth. And as a bit, I was going to ask you if that was magic, but I forgot in my car. And looking back at that response, Physics. I'm glad I didn't. It's all Physics. great. Physics. Um, I love science. So at sophomore MD, available on all platforms, including Spotify and nice. YouTube. Also including YouTube. So available on everything. Just follow us. Check us out. Uh, once again, we are not that other girl named Sophomore. We are uh, me. Um... Now, plugs, as far as this week, I will be at, uh, tomorrow, which it has just come to my attention, is not Friday, (laughs) (laughs) Thursday, October 27th, I will be at 101 in Fed Hill, uh, if you're wondering where that is, it's in between Banditos and Wayward, um, and, uh, we're there 8 to 12, I'm there with John Burkhart. It's also the Ravens are playing Thursday Night Football. So that's why I accrued John to play drums with me. Um, that's 8 to 12 uh, this Friday for Halloween. The band oh, will be at CNR and Towson. That's right. You heard me. CNR and Towson, 9 to 1 a.m. Uh, playing all your spectacular favorite songs. Um, that's me, John, and Joe. And then on, oh, wow. I wrote this wrong on my calendar. I almost tricked myself. Wow. Saturday, October 29th. Nice little brunch gig for Halloween Saturday. 12 to 4 at Banditos in Towson. I will be there solo dolo. Once again, that's at sophomore MD on everything. At Jimmy Selesky, At Eric Glazer. Uh, follow illusionsmagicbar.com and on Instagram say that one more time at That's no, the same thing at illusionsmagicbar illusionsmagicbar folks at LFTOS podcast across the board until next week
0: peace, peace.